Welcome to the Cashflow Guys Podcast. Join Tyler and his team as they unlock the secrets to achieving financial independence through wealth-building strategies inspired by Robert Kiyosaki and other thought-provoking leaders. Learn to build leveraged streams of cash flow that land in your pocket and improve your quality of life. Gain access to cutting-edge ideas that will increase your productivity and streamline your success. Find out how to supercharge your retirement plan so you won't have to retire with a pay cut. You can escape the rat race. Are you ready? It's time to Learn to Earn with Tyler Sheff. Welcome to the Cashflow Guys podcast. It's that time again. It's Friday morning. It's six o'clock. I know you're out of bed. You're getting up there taking massive action to get yourself out of the rat race. Today, you are going to get some awesome tips, some awesome information that's going to motivate you, going to get you doing the deals, getting to the yes is going to be what we're going to be talking about today. With me today on the show, I've got Ross Jeffries and Ross is an American author. He's a writer a television personality, and ladies and gentlemen, he's been on programs such as Dr. Phil, The Montel Williams Show, Jane Whitney Show, and The Daily Show. And here's the best part, guys. He, Tom Cruise's character in the film Magnolia, if you ever watched the film Magnolia, Tom Cruise's character was inspired by Mr. Jeffries, and according to the, the film's writer, and I'm going to ask you, is that absolutely true? I just, I'm reading this online. And absolutely. Well, First of all, yes, it is absolutely true. He did portray a wildly exaggeration, uh, a wildly exaggerated version of me. But much to my chagrin, I never got to meet Mr. Cruz, and I didn't get any on-screen credits, and they never paid me a penny. Oh, <laughs> but he did a good job, and he is one of my favorite actors. He's a little short to be playing me. I think he's like five foot three. I'm six foot two. But other than that, it was an enjoyable thing. Ross, you could put him and, in your pocket. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know about that. But, so, <laughs> but thank you, I guess. So self-described speed seduction expert. I think that's cool. That's why I wanted to have you on the show. You know, as real estate investors, I tell my listeners, folks, if you cannot sell, if you can't master the art of of real estate seduction, let's call it, you are just going to, you're going to have to hire somebody that can. And I'm for, yes. and, and for them, I make a lot of money you, that way. <laughs> Well, you know, one of the things I want to, you said uh, real estate investors and real estate selling. I want to back up just for a second. Whether it's real estate, whether it's cars, whether it's financial instruments, I want to make it very clear. You're not selling real estate. On some level, you are. You're not selling investments. On some level, you are. But on a deeper level, you're selling decisions and good feelings about decisions. I'll say it again. You're selling decisions and good feelings about decisions. And here's the thing. As we know, as all the scientific research points out, we make most of our decisions unconsciously. And then we come up with conscious rationalizations and reasons why we made the decisions. So if we really want to get to the driver, the engine, the heart of what drives people to make decisions, we need to step back just a little bit. And just for a moment, make a major shift in our perspective. Here's the major shift in perspective. And it's a little bit of a tricky thing. So as your audience continues to listen really carefully, 
I think the more carefully they listen, the more they begin to feel a growing curiosity and focus on just what it is this new information can do for you. So listen up when I tell you this. The big shift in focus is to shift away from momentarily, momentarily shift away from what actions do I want this person to take? What, what do I want this person to do? How do I get them to sign the contract or okay the deal? And instead stop and think, all right, how can I capture and lead their imagination and emotions and activate their unconscious processes from making a decision? So when it comes time to put the numbers and the facts and the data on the table, they've already pretty much convinced themselves that they want to do the deal. Now, this is a completely different way of thinking. It's sort of like putting the cart before the horse. But I think it's really, really crucial and important. Before you think of what the actions you want the other side to take, you want to stop and think, what are the states of mind, the states of consciousness that I want them to be in? Do I want them to be in a state of distrust, of boredom, confusion, lack of clarity? Or do I want to put them in a state of focus, of admiration for me, of not only trust, but of wanting to be convinced, of creating what I call, and this is a big, big, major concept, a willing suspension of disbelief. Now, we've all experienced the willing suspension of disbelief. When you go into the movie theater, I don't care what kind of movie it is, horror film, adventure, dramatic comedy, it doesn't matter. You have to suspend the disbelief that you're in a theater. You have to forget about the walls, the people around you, the fact that you're looking at a screen. So unconsciously, we already know how to suspend disbelief. And as crazy as it sounds, it is possible if you do things in a clever way with language that addresses the unconscious mind, and that is my specialty. Right. I'm a master hypnotist. That's what we do in hypnotic practice. We create that state of suggestibility. You can create those states of suggestibility, of childlike wanting to be convinced. Now, then and only then, do you present the facts, figures, data, information. I'm not saying that facts, numbers, figures, data, information don't matter. They do matter, but first, you want to create the con the unconscious mental filters through which you're going to present that data, that fa those facts, that information. Big problem most people think of is they start with the numbers first. They start with the numbers before they grab onto and create the states of consciousness that they want the people to be in. So, for example, if people will walk into you with their default states, their states of lack of clarity, confusion, lack of focus, right. doubt, not wanting to part with their money. You want to get those states shifted and changed and then present the information. May I use a somewhat colorful metaphor? Sure, go ahead. My mother, a great philosopher, <laughs> may she rest in peace and may her memory be for a blessing. It's, it's 10 years this month that she passed on, but I still remember her and think about her every day. My mother used to say, if you dip your sunglasses in poop, even the roses will look brown. So, <laughs> so the, point, the point of that metaphor is stop thinking in the beginning what numbers and figures you want to get from the other person. Start first in terms of of thinking, what states of mind do I want them to be in? How can I open up in the unconscious they're wanting to be convinced, those states of feeling that they're clear? How can I 
can how can I create the state where they're convincing themselves that they want to take these actions and then provide the numbers in a way that makes sense so they can have the conscious rationalization and their conscious reasons why they think they make the decision. Now, some people will say, is this manipulation? Is this trickery? I want to think of it as being influence and persuasion. And here's the difference. Manipulation involves concealing important facts or data, lying about facts or data, and pressing down on people's pain, shame, humiliation, or using coercion. If you don't make this deal, I'll do this, I'll do X to you or Y to you. For me, persuasion is about that process of opening up the unconscious mind and evoking those states in the unconscious that are going to lead to an outcome that serves you and the other person. So it's not about screwing other people over because ultimately if you do that, that's going to get out. Not only might you go to jail, but people are going to talk about you Oh yes. and the word is going to go out and then you're going to be in trouble. Your reputation is one thing that's priceless and that you can't pay money to buy. It's priceless. And at the same time, you can't buy it. You have to build it. You only build that by getting win-win outcomes. So for me, persuasion is that process. And you can also define it as being crafty in the service of truth. Just because you're being crafty doesn't mean you're being untruthful. And just because you're being truthful doesn't mean you can't be crafty. So that's what I'm really teaching when I'm really talking about. So that's where my word oversharing comes in. As I tell a lot of times my students, it's like, just don't overshare. I'm not not saying you need to lie. Just don't mention. You don't have to say everything like, hey, I'm going to sell this and make a million dollars. You might want to leave that part out of the conversation. And, And also avoid too much enthusiasm and avoid too much empathy. Empathy, uh, uh, this is so counterintuitive, but often it's what counterintuitive, uh, what's counterintuitive that makes major breakthroughs in our view of the world. For example, the idea that the sun doesn't go around the earth, but the earth goes around the sun was counterintuitive to people who couldn't measure differently. I, early printed people watched the sun apparently rising and setting. So, of course, they thought that the sun went around the earth. Very counterintuitive to say, no, no, the earth is actually moving. That had to be, in fact, when Galileo said that, they threatened to burn him at the stake. <laughs> so it's very counterintuitive to say that empathy and enthusiasm can kill a sale, but they can't. Can I unpack that and explain that? Absolutely. If you're too focused on seeing where the other side is at, if you if you do more than see where they're at and identify, I'll put it another way. It's one thing to see where your pro, where your prospect or client or the other side of the table is at. It's another to go there for yourself. If you over identify with the other person's position in an effort to show empathy, then you'll lose your own intent and your forward momentum. If you don't notice where they're at, then you're, you're steamrolling over them right. and you'll ruin the negotiation. So empathy too much at the wrong time can ruin a negotiation. The other thing is enthusiasm. If you're too enthusiastic, then you're going to come across as needy or that you need the deal. And of course, when people sense that you need the deal, they immediately become a lot more aggressive and a lot more insistent on their own position. Does that make sense? So contrary to what you're taught, empathy and enthusiasm can destroy a sale, Hmm. can destroy a negotiation. Does that make sense? It absolutely makes sense. Have you ever heard that concept before? I have not. 
I mean, usually that's it's, why it's when the I'm opposite. presenting, <laughs> it's, it's the it's, but what's the opposite? Yeah, I understand. But what's the uh, there's a difference between seeing where the other person is at and having to go there for yourself. So watch out for empathy. I don't mean you should be a shark, but we need to watch these false either or choices. Either you're a shark who's selfish and cares nothing for others, or um, you're filled with empathy for the other person like you're a therapist. So essentially wearing And so we want to avoid, we, we want to avoid these extremes. I see. Very interesting. Very interesting. So in an example, you know, someone's about to lose their house, they're upset. You don't want to go over overboard to the point to where you essentially jump into the quicksand with them. You, you, you get so right. tight, caught up in the problem that you forget about the part where you're supposed to be solving. Exactly. It. Correct. Exactly. Correct. That absolutely. Makes sense. And me. also too much rapport, too much rapport can destroy a sale or a negotiation because now once again, you're over-identifying with the other person's position. So all these things have to be done in balance. The ability to stay in rapport and yet keep your intention in mind is a very subtle skill. You see, what to say during a negotiator sale, I can show you some things that are, that are far outside of what you're used to doing and it'll blow your mind. But that's, listen, please, please listen carefully to my audience. That's relatively trivial compared to teaching you these mindset ideas that are just not taught. They're not traditional. The traditional stuff and people who are inside your field, field, the problem is they have myopia. They're nearsighted because they're so embedded in that field of expertise, they can't even see the possibility of a different way of thinking. So the very fact that I come from outside of this field, that I can bring forward new insights. And these insights come from my other career, which is teaching men who are utterly clueless and terrified with women to get in the right state of mind, to handle rejection, to being willing to move through a world with uncertainty and not needing approval, to being able to have a very, very effective way of learning in the face of frustration and rejection. So uh, the very fact that I'm coming from outside the field and not teaching what is traditionally taught is what makes me unique and the ability to deliver things that I think no one else can deliver, which is not to say traditional teaching doesn't have value. It's just not a complete model anymore. It's incomplete. And also traditional stuff has been done to death. People have become very sophisticated. They've heard it before. They know what the takeaway is. When you say, you know, maybe this deal isn't for us. And you put the papers back in your briefcase yeah. or you start to tear up the contract. People have seen it in movies and on TV. They're alert to it. They're aware of it. It just insults their intelligence. So the old stuff is just doesn't work. That's why someone has to come from outside the field and kick some butt and take some names and say, no, no, no. Traditionally what you're doing isn't going to work the way it used to. And besides everyone else is doing it. And if everyone else is doing it, then you're competing. Basically you're basically a commodity. Is that, I got a, was that a laugh I heard? Yeah, you're right. Cause I, yeah, I was yeah. saying something similar yeah. myself recently. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So no one, I trust me, no one has seen what I'm doing or bringing because I'm coming from outside the field. Although I will say one thing very quickly. Uh, one of the things that's motivating me to work with real estate people and such is my parents were, were real, realtors and they weren't very good at it precisely because they didn't understand these ideas. And that made me sad to see them work and work and then have deal after deal fall through or people go with different agents and, and, 
uh, I won't say it was heartbreaking, but it was difficult to watch my parents struggle like that. Right. I can imagine. Because they were really, again, I miss my mom and dad every day. Uh, they were inspirational to me. Uh, to see, uh, I want to take good hearted, clear, good hearted, good intended people and teach them what really works. And also to teach a different kind of motivation. We could go. Uh, an entire day on teaching mindset because I think a lot of what's also taught in mindset is just worthless. Hmm. Yeah, boy, I can, that hits home with me. I can tell you, it, it's interesting. I like your approach about coming from the outside. And part of the problem with education in the real estate space is people are coming from, they're emanating from the inside. And when you're emanating from the inside, you're not, I don't believe that you can as accurately touch the problem, touch and feel the problem. It's kind of like why a marriage counselor is effective because they're outside of the marriage. <laughs> you know, they, they're a third party and they don't have background in the individual relationship, but they're highly effective in, in helping facilitate solving the problems. And I think that's exactly what you're doing and the value Correct. that you bring to the industry. Correct. Thank you. Yes, I think that's true too. You talked about, I think that's true too. Selling decisions. Can you, can you cover that Correct. a little bit more? Talk about selling decisions. I, I absolutely, I, I absolutely can. I absolutely can. Because uh, let me be blunt about it. You can be very, very proud of your product or service, or your investment interest, instrument or whatever it is. But fundamentally, it's a commodity. Unless you have some tremendous patented top secret breakthrough in how you do things, which is, is really quite rare, what you're offering is a commodity bottom line. And so what you're really selling is decisions and the, and feeling good about decisions. And here's the thing. People don't know how to make the good decisions anymore when it comes to big ticket items. First of all, people don't know how to make good decisions because there's another factor going on, which is the focus factor. People are just distracted nowadays. Even if they normally would have the ability to make a good decision, they're so incapable of focusing that it's hard for them to do it. But let me give you an example by asking you a question and challenging your audience. During the last 48 hours, how many times have you seen someone walking down the street or walking in the store or whatever with their face glued to their smartphone or mobile device? I'll ask you. Yeah. How many times have you seen that, Tyler? I, numerous times. I, was in, I went to court this morning it's, and it was crazy. <laughs> Okay, so I've literally seen people crossing the street in a busy intersection, and they wind up crossing against the light because they're buried in their phones. So people have do not have the attention span they had 20 years ago. It's not even close. Now we have, I almost said Tinder, what a giveaway. We have Twitter, we have Instagram, we have Facebook, we have Facebook Live, we have text messaging, it's just crazy, and people have so many inputs, it's hard for them to focus. And in order to make a good decision, you have to focus. So people don't know, don't have the focus ability they used to have to make a good decision, which is why being able to create hypnotic states of focus through the use of embedded commands and suggestions is really crucial. If someone can't focus, how are you going to do a good presentation if their mind is exhausted and jumping from thing to thing? So creating these states of intense focus first is really, really crucially important. But here's the other thing. People just don't trust their ability to invest large sums of money the way they used to, and rightly so, because what used to be 
considered go to the bank bedrock decisions just aren't. And I'll illustrate with a story because I love teaching with stories. Just before the big bank and real estate crash, you remember that, do you not? Oh, absolutely. My, yeah. Yeah, my investment advisor said, hey, you still have time to invest in your 401k or whatever, go make an investment. So I go to my trusty bank, Washington Mutual. <laughs> Do you remember Washington Mutual? <laughs> yeah, yeah thank you. <laughs> All right. Yeah, well, I remember Washington Mutual. They were everywhere. They were the McDonald's of banking. So uh, I went in there and I said to the financial officer, I'd like to make a contribution investment. He said, what level of risk? I said, very conservative. He pulls out a portfolio. He says, I've got a company here called AIG. Oh. <laughs> now, uh, you t- tell your audience what happened with AIG. <laughs> yeah, they're barely in existence anymore. They got a little bit of a government yeah. bailout. Yeah, they got a huge government bailout because uh, it turns out they were selling crappy paper. They're selling that. I said, well, what are they like? He said, well, they have assets like you won't believe. That's what he really said. I can't make up these stories. And, of course, they did have assets that were not believable because they cooked their books. So on the unconscious level, even though people may not remember those exact events, on the unconscious level, people rightly, quite rightly, don't trust institutions and don't trust big decisions because of that big ruin, that big problem that happened. And and the problem's going to happen again, I think, by the way. It's, uh, they're doing even worse than they did before. So people don't trust their ability to make the decisions when it comes to big ticket money items. They just don't. And finally, people have a great deal of, well, you could ask this question, which do people have bigger buttons on, sex or money? You'd be hard pressed to say which one, since we're not talking about sex, where in this case, we're talking about money. People have big buttons on releasing it and letting go of it. So ultimately, you're selling decisions and feeling good about the decision. So it's not enough for someone to make a decision. They have to feel good about it because when they feel good about it, there's not going to be buyer's remorse. There's not going to be, wait a minute. I want to renegotiate. They're going to feel really good about it. Now I can't directly say to someone now in a moment, you're going to make this decision to accept these terms and you're going to feel good about it. I can't do that. But through the clever use of suggestion, just like a hypnotist would give a post-hypnotic suggestion that every time you reach for a healthy food, you're going to feel good about it. Just like I can, uh, a hypnotist can use post-hypnotic suggestion, essentially I show people how to use post-hypnotic suggestion in a very clever way that you won't get caught so people feel good about making the decisions you want them to feel, very you want them to make. Very interesting indeed. So can you go into it because post-hypnotic suggestion is a term that I'm not 100% familiar with. I mean, I've heard it, but I'm not sure. 100% on it. Sure. I can elaborate. Sure. It simply means that, uh, um, when a hypnotist does some work with you, let's say you want to lose weight or lose fat or however you want to define it. Uh, one of the things, one of the suggestions I might give is to say, uh, now we've had a really good session today and you've had some really good learnings and you've discovered that you need your body to live. You respect your body. So from now on, you eat in a way that respects your body. And I'm not sure just exactly how you'll find during the day, quickly, easily, naturally, and powerfully, that when you reach for something that's healthy for you, you'll discover that you can feel really good about doing that. 
I'm not sure in which ways you'll discover that's going to happen. So I'm adding suggestions like you'll discover that's going to happen. I'm offering a false choice. I'm, I'm saying I'm not sure in which ways you'll discover that's going to happen. So it's no longer a matter of whether it's going to happen. It's just which ways you'll discover it's going to happen. So it's a clever way of presenting false choices uh, embedded commands, embedded suggestions. These are advanced techniques that I go over in my private and group trainings. It's, it's very difficult to convey. Um, uh, you can, I, I, I do have a free video training that we can talk about at the end of this. It goes through many of these concepts. Absolutely. Now, it, so it, you're basically kind of, like, well, I guess that the definition really is the words that it's it's used to describe it. it it's a suggestion of a of a potential future event in a general nature correct um, that allow someone to kind of convince themselves that something's going to happen or not happen yes correct not only can and listen to that term convince yourself if i say i'm not sure in the coming days in which way you'll convince yourself that this is a good idea and the more that happens the more good you feel about it but as that take, takes place and when that takes place, I just want to say I'm so happy to have been the catalyst to allow yourself to let that move forward. Now, that's a big mouthful, but you hear I'm using the phrase convince yourself. Well, and you're also using the What does it mean? <laughs> that's exactly correct. You're nailing me right to the wall there, sir. How do you, how do you, what does it mean to convince yourself? If you convince yourself, am I trying to convince you? Absolutely not. Am I giving the reasons to do something? No. It creates what we call a trans-derivational search. And I'm going to define that technical term. It simply means that you have to drop into your unconscious and find your own reasons to scan your imagination and find the reasons that make sense to you to do what I want you to do. And one of the principles I like to teach is whatever you can get a person to imagine for themselves will be perceived by them as being their own thought and therefore they won't resist it. So when we use a phrase like convince yourself, essentially I'm giving the command, go inside, make a deep dive into your unconscious mind, have your unconscious mind run through all the reasons why this makes sense for you and then create the perception in your mind that you came to this decision all on your own and I did not influence you. Now, I would never directly say that. People would give me the middle finger and kick me where it counts. But you can embed, you can create the same chain of suggestions and thinking in the unconscious by using this kind of languaging. And again, this is the advantage I hold over other people because I'm coming outside of the world of real estate because I'm coming from the realm of therapeutic hypnosis and coaching guys to use their language to motivate themselves and to create attraction, to do sales, to do seduction, if you will. And I think sales is a form of seduction. If you don't like that term, um, okay, I believe another term. It's the purest form. <laughs> It it's the purest form. It absolutely, it absolutely is. is the purest form. And I'm glad that you're open-minded and, and not politically correct enough to have to make me reframe or censor that. No, not at all. That's what my audience, I think, likes about me is I'm right to the point, and then uh, we, we can skip it. We gloss over the, I, the other stuff. I, I love that. <laughs> I absolutely love that. Thank you. It makes it a pleasure to talk to you, sir. This industry, uh, unfortunately... Frowns upon the idea of sales or closure or convincing and whatnot. Exactly. I'm sorry. Thank that's, you for that. that that's is. stupid. That's the, uh, that's 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 
just so idiotic. I can't even think of a metaphor. Why would you frown upon it? That's your job. Exactly. That I, is your, that, that, that's your job. I can't think. I'm sorry. Well, I think you pretty much nailed it, frankly. And, and too many people I've heard, I've heard real estate just happens. I'm not a salesperson. I'm a consultant. No, you're, well, you probably are a consultant. That's why you're poor. The rest no, of us. No, no, no. <laughs> Fine. If you don't like the sales consultant, the uh, sales label, think of yourself as a decision service technician. There you go. <laughs> if you're bothered by the term selling, fine. Think of yourself as a decision service technician because that's what you're doing. You're servicing people's ability to make a decision. Okay. Well, that's, if that's a reframe that works for you, exactly. use the reframe. By the way, the power of language and, and metaphor to change people's consciousness and therefore the action. There's probably some people listening to this who, even though I was being kind of funny, like, wait a minute, Ross, I like that definition. I like the idea of me being a decision service technician. That, that means I'm in service to other people and I'm servicing their, their ability to make a good decision. Fine. A lot of the reframes have to be done like cold calling. That's a terrible term. Instead, how about opportunity outreach? There you go. This may seem silly, but oh, I'm going to make cold calls. No, I'm going to do opportunity outreach. It, 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 so the power of language to frame the meaning we put on things because our actions derive from the meaning we give things. Humans are meaning-making machines. And it's only from the meaning we make that our actions arise. I got to ask you, you're obviously a student of the human mind in, in what makes us tick. Is I've been mind. fascinated by what people, how people tick since I was a child. What happened to make everybody so damn sensitive all of a sudden? I woke up one day and everybody was a <laughs> I, I don't know what happened. Uh, that's very easy. That's easy to answer. Because in our culture, being offended entitles you to some sort of praise or preferential treatment. Instead of a society of merit, we become a society of victims. And the people who can cry out the loudest actually become the biggest bullies. The people who cry out, I'm a victim, I'm offended, somehow they think being offended uh, gives them some merit, that merit is earned or ascribed to them because they're being offended. No, actually you're being offended is a sign that you're not flexible enough in your thinking and strong enough in your confidence to let people have their own opinions. Beautiful. I just love that mindset. I really do. But it's true. And, and, and frankly, my mother, again, I'm going to bring up my mother. May her, uh, we, I'm Jewish, and we say in the Jewish faith, may their memory be for her, uh, for a blessing. Right. So may her memory be for a blessing. My mother, I swear she used to say, if you're not offending at least one or two people every week, you're not living large enough. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. That's it's totally true. And sometimes you have to shock a client or shock the other side to get their attention. Well, yeah. Yeah, again, breaking rapport. <laughs> he talks about breaking rapport as a sales technique. But breaking rapport, interrupting patterns can be incredibly powerful. Oh, to say to someone, this is all extremely powerful, but it's counterintuitive and it's not taught. I'm going to call you on that one. See, now you use the, use the word pattern interrupt and I, and I, I need you to explain that because I love that term. That is something that I'm sure I do. I'll give you, I'll give you the, yeah. I'll give you, well, let's say someone says, um, uh, I need time. I need more time to think it over. I would interrupt the pattern. I'd say, have you ever taken a long time to make a decision and it still came out terribly wrong? <laughs> so, <laughs> 
That's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, so now I'm interrupting their patterns. The pattern's thinking it's about time. And I'm using a counterexample to show, say to them, wait a minute. Maybe the more time you take here, the more likely it is you'll screw it up. So that's an example of the pattern interrupt. I teach, I teach um, a lot of these. Like I said, I have a free video, a complimentary video course on how to destroy the top sales killing objections and pattern interrupts the, through a counter examples. Uh, that's actually a bonus that I added into the video. Cause I, I at the last minute, I thought I got to teach pattern interrupts. I got to teach counter examples. How do we, how do they, how's that, that also works. That also works. One more, one more quick thing. That also works in personal relationships too. Like if you say, when you came in late, I knew you didn't care. I can turn around and say, had you ever been late and you still cared? I can turn around and, and just turn it right back on them or reframe. Um, when you yelled at me, I knew you didn't care. You turn around and say, so being vulnerable enough to express my genuine emotions in that moment, means I'm less trustworthy. <laughs> and I detect the inflection of the voice. <laughs> Did I throw that question yeah, out there? Yeah, exactly. Right? Well, exactly. That's one of the things I do in advanced training is teach people how to control voice inflection. Voice inflection can be extraordinarily powerful. Yeah. By the way, can I ask you a question? You absolutely may. Can you tell I'm really enjoying this, that I'm having a, a kick doing this interview? You should be. I mean, my show is just a great show to be on. Where would you I know. What else could you possibly be doing to add value than be right here right now? I, I love doing this. Well, I was doing a private training this morning. I, I just I loved doing it. It was a joy. I was training 12 people on a team, and they were all really getting it. I was blowing their minds. No, I love teaching. Teaching and sharing information is the most fun I can have with my clothes on. <laughs> it, absolutely. And, and where better to do it than with a large audience like mine when you got a couple hundred thousand people listening to you here next Friday, then you'll, you'll see you get to take advantage of that as well. Yeah. Talk about it. You know what? And I love that. I love that. And, you know, as you're listening to this, I want to suggest that you'll probably want to listen multiple times. And I don't know, as you continue to listen to me, at what point she'll stop and think, this is unbelievable. I got to find out more. You want to go to my website to check out that free video. But as that's taking place, I'm excited to know that you're finding your own reasons to do that and that you can go to consultross.com, consultross.com forward slash sales killers. That's all one word, sales killers, S-A-L-E-S-K-I-L-L-E-R-S. So How do you like the way I worked that in that, loaded with suggestions? Absolutely <laughs> awesome. See, you, you, I was already trying to getting ready to start typing it, but I got to stop myself. You know, I was like, I'm on, I'm on the show. I can't be on the internet right now. I need to just wait, wait until I stop the recorder. Then I can go on consult Ross. I, you know, I got a speaking engagement tonight. I shouldn't do, I shouldn't be late, but maybe I should catch a couple of these videos. That's awesome. Isn't, isn't speaking fun? Isn't speaking like a kick in the pants? The first time it terrified me, and after the first time, I've had a blast ever since. I take every speaking opportunity I have that, that, that comes up. I just me too. Where are you speaking? What people, where are you speaking? Who are you speaking, speaking to? over at a ma uh, the main uh, real estate investors group over in Tampa tonight. Uh, pretty large crowd. A couple That's hundred people awesome. Out there, so be a good time. That's awesome. That's awesome. Good for you. I'm sure you'll knock it out of the park. Oh, yeah. I just, it, it's absolutely a blast. And I'm going to tell them, I'm going to probably mention this episode because I've learned a lot in this episode. A lot of, I've received a lot of reinforcement, you know, reinforcement for what we've been doing and, and some more ways to refine Please. what we are doing. And I'm looking forward to consultross.com. That's pretty awesome. 
consultross.com slash sales killers, all one word. Killers. Ross, I appreciate you. T- you're a busy that's, guy. I'm that's sure. where you get it. I'm sure you're out there just killing it. I mean, you know, the, the power of suggestion, <laughs> the power of closure, making it it's somebody's idea and, you know, something that would be, I'm sure you remember Dale Carnegie, a man convinced against his will is of the same opinion still. You basically yeah. covered that in the beginning and, and, a, and the flip side of that is you're not taking, in summary, is you're making it their idea. And when it's exactly their the point. idea, it's a win. It, it's it, a win for everybody. Of course it's a great idea if it's your idea. And, you know, we teach when we're doing negotiations and, and we're doing numbers is that we let the seller do the numbers. Because if I write them down, they're wrong. But if they write them down, one of my mentors taught me that, uh, Larry Harbold. If I write down the numbers, they're, they're, uh, they're skeptical. But if they write down the numbers, they're absolutely accurate. Powerful concept. That's absolutely true. That's absolutely true. And it's also true because writing hardwires things into the neurology. So that's a, that's a clever, that's actually a clever concept on more than one level. That's a good teacher. He's been doing it 37 years. That's for sure. He's a huge mentor of mine. So yeah, absolutely. But uh, Ross, I really appreciate you taking the time and ladies and gentlemen, uh, just to conclude there, in case you didn't catch it, I will put it in the show notes, but consult Ross.com. Most of you have probably already stopped listening. Now you're already on the website. Taking on the information. Slash sales killers. Slash sales, slash sales killers. killers. Don't forget that. Put give put your information in there. Do, do you, you get access to the video course? Maybe some follow-up information comes after that as well to, to help yep. continue yep. the learning process. That's awesome. Yep. Ladies and gentlemen, take advantage of that. ConsultRoss.com forward slash sales killers. Ross Jeffries, thank you so much for coming on the show today. It's been my honor. There's no greater honor I have than to teach. And thank you for letting me reach your massive audience and for bringing such intelligence forward to help me give a great interview. I really appreciate it. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to call that a wrap this week's episode of the Cashflow Guys podcast. I'm sure you took away some major nuggets. Some of you, if you were trying to drive down the road while taking notes, stop doing that. Pull the car over, write the notes. All of the podcast players, you can roll them back 15 seconds and hear it all over again. I look forward to hearing from you next week on our episode. And once again, learn to earn. This concludes today's episode. You don't have to wait till the next episode to learn to earn. Head over to cashflowguys.com and contact Tyler and his team for more powerful tips and ideas. So you can start generating multiple streams of income and escape the rat race.